Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Cara, acne can be tough. Whether your kid is just starting to get breakouts or has been struggling with them for years, there's a great product that can help. Phyla is the ultimate game changer. It tackles acne right at its root cause, rebalancing the skin's bacteria and packing it with probiotic phages. Phyla harnesses the superpowers of probiotics, tiny warriors targeting and wiping out the acne-causing bacteria. In studies, Phyla slashed acne-causing bacteria by a whopping 90%. Phyla doesn't just fix acne you can see. It stops new breakouts in their tracks. It has no harsh chemicals and won't irritate or dry most skin. Phyla's three-step system is like a dermatologist-approved magic potion. Cleanse, apply serum, and moisturize twice a day. As a special treat for our listeners, you can grab 25% off your first order of Phyla. Head over to phylabiotics.com, enter code PUBERTY at checkout, and kickstart your family's journey to acne-free skin. Check out the link in our show notes for quick access. Hi, I'm Cara Natterson. And I'm Vanessa Kroll-Bennett. Each week, we dive into the what and how of raising kids through puberty, that roller coaster of physical and emotional shifts for kids and parents alike. Combining reliable science and relatable parenting strategies, we will all learn about, laugh about, and yes, maybe even cry about adolescence, ours and theirs. Dear Cara and Vanessa, first off, I just wanted to say how much of a fan of yours I am, as are my fellow parent friends who have all discovered your podcast. You're just an incredible wealth of knowledge, and I have to say, hilarious as well. Uh, My question today is about keeping the lines of communication open with our children. My daughter is way cooler and extroverted than I could ever dream of, and I hope she'll stay comfortable sharing the uncomfortable as time goes on. I've tried your strategy of saying, that's a great question. What made you think of that? And that's been immensely helpful. But any other strategies on how to scaffold these ongoing conversations, especially when I find myself flat-footed and out of my comfort zone? I was the ultimate introverted nerd whose parents begged her to go out and be reckless. And of course, I just stayed home and studied. So I'd love some guidance on how best to approach pubescent life with a very social extrovert. Hi, Vanessa. Hi, Cara. That is the best question that you'll be shocked by this, Vanessa, is very familiar to me. (laughs) (laughs) Story of my life. So at some point, we'll do the inversion of that question, which is, if you are a natural extrovert, how do you raise a more introverted kid? Or Cara, you can just give me advice on that. But let's start 
with the question, which is generally, what do you do if you're raising a kid through big moments in life and your kid is really different than you are? And I love reframing it that way because the words extrovert and introvert get a little confusing. I am going to define them for a second just so that everyone who uses them can have a little clarity around what they are. An extrovert is someone who derives their energy from other people. And an introvert is someone who derives their energy internally from being alone. So there are lots of actors, for instance, who get on the stage and are incredible performers. But when they take these tests to assess their personality traits, they assess as very introverted, meaning where they get their energy is when they have their downtime alone. Those are the words that were used in the question. But the concept behind the question is really what you just said, Vanessa, which is parent has X set of characteristics, kid has Y set of characteristics, what to do, how do you build guardrails and support and love and keep safe that kid who's really, really different from you. I'll start with my first answer. And then of course, you know, you have so many children, I'm interested. (laughs) Of course, some are like you and some are not. But I'm going to start my answer with the acknowledgement that knowing who your kid is feels like the most important first step. It is really hard to acknowledge when kids are different from us because we have, often we have this fantasy as the adult figures in a kid's life that they're going to follow in these footsteps. Sometimes our fantasy is they're going to follow in these footsteps and do better than we did often. That's the fantasy, right? Or take advantage of opportunities. We didn't, right? We want to see them all kind of level up from where we are, but the familiarity feels very, very important. Whether you're the parent, the grandparent, the trusted adult, the familiarity is the thing that is sort of the, I don't know, it's it's sort of the, the lowest hanging branch. And it becomes really, really important to acknowledge that the familiarity is part of the equation, but it's a part of the equation that's not always there. And you may have someone in your life, you may have someone who is your offspring, who's totally different from you. And seeing it and recognizing it is the first step towards having a great relationship, a great parenting dynamic or adulting dynamic with that kid. And regardless of what their personality is like, or your personality is like, your kid is going to separate from you during these years of puberty. So sometimes it's actually easier when your kid is very different than you are to make that separation and to recognize yourselves as independent human beings with their own will and interests and tendencies and passions. And sometimes when your kid is similar to you, it's actually harder to allow for that separation. So on one level, having a kid who's different than you are can be confusing, mystifying, challenging. On another level, it actually can make things easier sometimes when you don't have to untangle the strands of your different identities. Now, I have four kids and three of them are extroverts and one of them is an introvert. And it took me a really long time to understand my introvert because I, I know this is a shocker, I'm an I'm 
an extrovert. <laughs> no. You would never have guessed. I'm married to what Susan Cain in the book Quiet calls a pseudo extrovert, someone who can fake it and who appears extroverted, but is actually deeply introverted and likes nothing better than sitting at home alone on a couch with his dog. And then all of a sudden I have this introverted kid and I feel so grateful for understanding who he is and what he needs. And it did not come naturally to me to understand that. And it took me a really long time. And I've spent the last several years apologizing to him for not understanding who he was earlier on. But here's the funny thing, Cara. My introvert, until he was like 13 or 14, was an introvert. But now he's actually a lot more extroverted than he used to be. And so puberty is also a time where their personalities shift and change and who we thought they were or understood them to be may not be a static reality. It's a shifting dynamic. And there's also the need to leave room for that. Right. I mean, you're born with a certain temperament, a certain personality, a certain way that you go through life. But we are all changed by the events around us, by the people around us, and then, of course, by what's coursing through our body. So we talk about this all the time, but the hormones that are rising and falling through puberty rise and fall in the brain and really do change the way people feel. And so it's the intersection of all of these different things that might make a kid who is quite introverted when they're young come out of their shell, so to speak, which is a piece of this. I want to get to the specific question, which is how do we handle it? Not just how do we acknowledge it, but how do we handle it? And I'm going to give that incredibly (laughs) dissatisfying answer. You know what I'm going to say? It Um, all depends. It all depends. But there are... I'm going to give a more satisfying answer than that. Don't worry, listeners. Yes, exactly. But there are some tricks of the trade. So where we started this conversation is acknowledging it. And that that acknowledgement doesn't just happen internally. It happens externally. And that is the first talking point that adults can use with kids. I might be temperamentally different from one or both of my kids, um, as Vanessa would say, maybe someone in my house. (laughs) And often the conversation starts with, that wasn't my experience, or I don't really understand it because I wouldn't have felt that way, but I'm trying to understand where you're coming from. It's important to frame it for your child or the child in your life that what they are experiencing is different. Sometimes your temperaments are going to be the exact same and the world has changed enough that you need to use that precursor phrase. Sometimes it's that your approaches to the world are really different. So for instance, that question is extraordinarily familiar to me. My safe space was nerding out on a Friday night doing homework, partly because I had incredibly social extroverted older brothers who were, I mean, There's one party that happened in our backyard that people refer to as the John Hughes party. It was literally like out of a John Hughes movie with people hanging from tree branches. And it was so bananas. And I was in seventh grade and and it was a moment, I can picture it like it was yesterday and people still stop me and say, I was at that party at your house. That can drive someone who's already a little bit introverted to be a lot more introverted and to find their safe space. I have 
at least one child, if not two, one who sort of came of age in high school during COVID. So it's sort of emerging now how social that kid is, one who's still in high school and who's very social. And I sit there and I always wonder, is that who I would have been had the circumstances of my life been different or not? And at the end of the day, it doesn't matter because my life experience is different. And so I can't tap into my life experience to answer some of the questions that my kids have about going out or managing situations when they're out. But at least we start the conversation from the premise okay, well, I never went to a party until I was in whatever grade. And here you are younger than I was asking. Thank you for asking. I have to stop and think about it for a minute. And then let's have a conversation. And then the second piece is to have the conversation, not to have the lecture, not to set it up where you're right and they're wrong because your view of the world has to dominate. It's a conversation. Learn from them. What is it that's interesting about this peer group or this event you want to go to or this thing you're drawn towards and have the back and forth or at least let them talk. I'm not even letting you talk and I'm telling you to let people talk. Um, (laughs) Right, Vanessa. Vanessa keeps opening her mouth and I'm like, no, I'm not done yet. I'm doing a lot of nodding. You're doing a lot of nodding. (laughs) But And I'll, I'll end here, but let them tell you what is driving them so you can learn. Okay, go Vanessa. Well, and it brings up the episode we did with Dr. Molly Colvin, who's a neuropsychologist. And she talked about how for kids this age, their peers light up their limbic system, right? Limbic system is the center. It develops first. It's a center of pleasure and risk-taking. And they've measured what lights up an adolescent's limbic system. And guess what? It's not the adults in their lives, but it is peers. And so part of it is they can't say to you, oh my God, you are so incredibly boring and uninteresting to me, but my peers are deeply exciting to me because they light up my limbic system. But we as adults can know that there is a neurological foundation for the kids who are seeking out the company of their peers a lot and are seeking to avoid time with their parents as often as possible. So there's a neurological underpinning to that. On top of that, they are individuating from us. And so if a kid has a parent who maybe didn't go out a lot as a teenager or is more reserved or maybe isn't super social now, what's a great way of saying, hey, yo, mom, I'm super different than you are. You can be super social. You can go out. You can make different choices than your kids do. I mean, my kids are constantly making fun of my husband. They're like, yeah, dad, so I'm going to go to this thing that you would totally hate because it forces you to hang out and talk to other people. And they take a certain pleasure in knowing that they're making different choices than their father did. If only they could have seen him as a teenager in Liverpool and they would know that they're not making any different choices. They can read about it because I did. Yeah, right. Um, Exactly. Okay. So Vanessa, how then, how do parents who are introverted or happier in sort of quieter, calmer, smaller spaces, how do they begin to get comfortable in their own skin with kids who are not wired that way? So there's different levels of challenge here. One level of challenge is whether their kid 
is seeking to do things that make them uncomfortable because of what's going to be happening in those social situations. So it's not that your kid necessarily wants to go to the mall and hang out with a bunch of friends. It may be that your kid wants to go to a party with kids of different genders or wants to go somewhere where you suspect there might be drinking or vaping or wants to go to a concert surrounded by thousands of people and you're worried that they you know, aren't ready to handle that kind of thing without an adult. So part of the job is separating, is it uncomfortable to the adult because it's just like unfamiliar? Like as you mentioned at the top, like, oh, I would never want to go to that party or that concert. Or is it uncomfortable because the things that are going on there make the adult concerned about a kid's safety, either physically or emotionally. So that's like really, I think, the first job to separate out. If you listen to enough of our episodes, you'll hear us preach the importance of air, particularly down there. Airing out body parts reduces sweatiness, stinkiness, and skin irritation. And it feels amazing to air it all out after a long day in tight, sweaty clothes. Which is why we created the Oom Short. Super soft, lightweight, with wide legs and a low crotch. All help air flow. Designed for all genders, in all sizes, literally down to kids extra small and up to men's extra large. Everyone who wears them tells us they've never been so comfy. Get your shorts at myoomla.com. Vanessa, we literally have three minutes to eat lunch every day. I am not joking. And the challenge is how to make it delicious and healthy and still fit into that tiny window. Our answer is factors ready to eat meals. They have been a godsend. We throw our factor meals in the microwave. It takes two minutes and out comes a gorgeous, fresh, never frozen meal. We both love the tamale vegetarian one. It's delish. There's a ton of options every week. There's 60 add-ons, breakfast, snacks, beverages. I love doing the wellness shots with my kids. They think it's hilarious. And I know they're getting vitamins and minerals in their bodies. So get meals on your table or at your desk in two minutes or less. Factor meals eliminate the hassle of prepping, cooking, and cleaning. You can customize with flexibility to get as much or as little as you need, and you can press pause or reschedule depending upon your lifestyle. So to order, go to factormeals.com slash puberty50 and use the code puberty50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That code is puberty50 at factormeals.com slash puberty50 to get 50% off your first box, 20% off your next box, And I am going to go do that right now because I need more factor meals in my refrigerator. Cara, lately I have been lying awake at night. I'm physically exhausted, but I can't sleep because my mind is so wired with everything going on between work and my family. So I've added magnesium breakthrough to my nightly routine and it actually helps calm my mind. It helps me get better sleep and I wake up feeling better rested. I'm less cranky. And I'm more patient with my family and with you. Oh, I've noticed. (laughs) And it's because unlike other magnesium supplements that might give one or two formulations of magnesium, Magnesium Breakthrough has seven. That's why you're sleeping so well and waking up refreshed. 
Now, dietary supplementation is always best, Vanessa. So that means eating your minerals and vitamins is the best way to get them in. But if you can't or you don't get enough, magnesium breakthrough is the way to go. It can also help digestion, though too much helps your digestion too much, which is not a good thing. It can support muscle recovery. So bye-bye, Charlie horses. And it helps build dense bones, which is especially important for women approaching and in menopause. We have an exclusive offer for our listeners. You can go to buyoptimizers.com slash puberty, B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S.com slash puberty. And you can use the code PUBERTY10 during checkout to save 10%. That promo code is PUBERTY10 at buyoptimizers.com slash puberty. Your body and brain and family and business partner will thank you. Cara, my kids love Magic Spoon cereal. And even though it's cereal, they actually love it as a homework snack. The variety pack has four flavors, cocoa, fruity, frosted, and peanut butter. And fruity is the favorite flavor in my house. Now, this pack has zero grams of sugar, between 13 and 14 grams of protein, and between four and five grams of net carbs per serving. It's made with wholesome ingredients, no artificial flavors or dyes, and it's high in protein, gluten-free, grain-free, and soy-free. So a great choice, Vanessa. You can go to magicspoon.com slash puberty to grab a variety pack and try it today. And be sure to use our, you guessed it, promo code puberty at checkout to save $5 off your order. And Magic Spoon is so confident you're going to love their product. It's backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they will refund your money. No questions asked. They do not want you to send their cereal back to them. Try a bowl of Magic Spoon cereal today at magicspoon.com slash puberty and use the code puberty to save $5. Can we go a little further down that road? Yes. Okay. So let's talk about, let's say it's the latter. Let's say it's a parent who's nervous about their kid's safety and their kid's ability to make a good decision for all the reasons you've just laid out, which Molly spoke so beautifully about in our episode. So, you know, you can sit at the dinner table and your kid can say, no, I'm not interested in vaping. And they mean it. And then they go and they're with a crowd of kids and the limbic system inside their brain is suddenly on fire and ping, ping, pinging. And there are kids who are vaping and they are driven neurochemically to make a different kind of decision. So you are well within your rights as an adult to fear that scenario, okay? So how do we not, I hate this expression, but how do we not throw out the baby with the bathwater? In other words, how do we let our kids who are social or let kids, I don't want to even say our kids because for teachers and coaches and trusted adults, these scenarios come up all the time. How do we let kids toe into more social situations if they're more social without assuming that they're going to make a series of bad decisions and then either just shutting off the option entirely, which doesn't feel like the smartest approach, or by just saying, okay, fine, if you're going to go, then it's all out of my hands. And that doesn't feel like the smartest approach. I think you baby step it. I think you baby step it for a few reasons. One, so that they can build the skills of being in new, exciting, and sometimes complicated situations and testing out what kind of decision-making they have. 
I think you baby step it so that when they make a mistake, because they will make a mistake, coming back from that mistake is not as massive if you're increasing their freedom and their exposure to social situations in small increments, then when you make a mistake, those increments coming back from them is not as dramatic. I also think you baby step it because you're building trust, right? It's like, okay, your curfew's 11 o'clock. Show me. I just had a conversation about this with a dear friend who's navigating. Her kid has an earlier curfew than apparently everybody else. And... Her husband was like, okay, you want a later curfew? Show me you can get back on time. Don't tell me that Uber is taking 20 minutes. Show me that you can make it here on time. Show me that you can make it and text us and be in touch with us when you're going to be late, right? Like build trust. And then let's talk about moving your curfew later. So I think there's a variety of ways. I also think that it's within a parent's right to set firm boundaries when there is real, real concern about your kid's safety. Sometimes it is okay to just say, I'm sorry, you can't go or you can't participate or you can't join them. And that's a really hard thing to do as a parent. And frankly, I think we should do a whole episode on when you just say no. But the point is, our kids are occasionally asking us for permission to do stuff that they actually know isn't a great idea and they may have a sense is not safe for them. And sometimes they're looking for us to say, "Uh uh-uh, you can't go. I'm really sorry. And that tends to be for an older crowd of kids. That tends to be for high school or older middle school. For the kids who are much younger on the front end of puberty, for the kids who are in third or fourth grade and just starting down this path and are not quite individuating and are just testing limits and are trying to figure out where they fit into the social structure and are expressing who they are in very, I don't want to say basic, but basic ways where a parent is getting a glimpse of who that kid is. And for those parents, I think the best advice is breathe. If your child is young and you have a sense that they are far more social than you are and there's going to be this lack of synchrony, don't project 10 years down the road. Don't imagine what they're going to be like at 18 when they're eight. Take what they're giving you at eight or at nine. Manage that. Talk to them openly. Share your questions. So those challenges, those sort of subtle differences in how you might have approached life when you were in grade school versus how they are doesn't look like vaping and drinking, but it does look like going over to someone's house and maybe playing video games you're not allowed to play at home or walking somewhere alone when in your family, walking alone is not allowed. The way the limits are pushed look different. You have to contextualize the conversation, but to explain to that kid this is what I'm a little uncomfortable about. This is what I'm thinking. Talk to me about what you're thinking. And on top of that, I would worry sometimes when kids are feeling pressure to be hypersocial because if they miss out on a gathering, an event, a sleepover, whatever it is, that they're worried they're going to be left behind. And so sometimes it's important to get underneath why they feel so anxious about participating or attending? What's going on for them that's making them feel actually stressed about 
you know, being at certain social events, obviously social media doesn't help. And helping kids learn what they need to both be social and also to recharge. So I have one kid who is only allowed to sleep out one night on a weekend because if he sleeps out two nights on a weekend, he is exhausted and he can't function. And the conversation with him about that didn't say, hey, you know what? Sorry, you only get to sleep out one night on a weekend. It was, hey, what are you noticing about what happens to you if you're out every night and don't sleep home one night? Okay. And I want to wrap this episode with a sort of a teaser for a future episode. And it builds on a comment you just made, Vanessa, which is social media. So we know for older kids, most of whom, if not 100% of whom are on cell phones, either texting or on social media, DMing or whatever the currency is on that app. For younger kids, that exists as well. And younger kids, fourth and fifth graders, are group texting. There is an element of feeling left out that is very tangible for them and is very different from what it felt like to grow up 30 or 40 years ago. And so to that end, one last step that parents of younger kids can take is to do everything they can as a group of adults to support kids growing up without texting or too much digital interaction at super young ages. If you can push off just a little bit, that sort of machine of FOMO, that helps in the younger years, it's not going to go away. Texting will eventually emerge, certainly by about sixth grade, some massive number of kids. You know, the average age of phone ownership, like someone who says, I have a phone that is mine in this country is 10 and a half years old. So, I mean, we are talking about third graders here, right? But if you can just get together within your school grade or within your parent friend group and try to just kick that down the road a little bit for the younger kids, it really does help mitigate exactly what you're describing. And every year we get under our belt in terms of emotional maturity, it helps. It takes an edge up. And we can talk about that. If people are interested, let us know, write us, DM us, ask us your questions. We can talk a lot about that. There's a lot of conversation. So thank you for your question. Thank you for sending a voice memo. How fun is that? And we encourage everyone else who's interested, do the same. Send it to us at thepubertypodcast at gmail.com or at the Puberty Podcast on Instagram. We love, we've been getting like floods of amazing questions. Keep them coming. It is like the favorite part of our week is answering these questions. Thanks, Cara. Bye, Vanessa. Thanks so much for listening. You can follow us anywhere you get your podcasts or check out our Instagram at the Puberty Podcast. If you have questions or stories to share, email us at thepubertypodcast at gmail.com. And for more puberty info, check out myoomla.com or dynamogirl.com. Bye.
Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 